Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Mean Old Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. It's March! That means we are a fourth of the way through the year. Can you believe that we're even this far into 2022? I feel like the months are just going by. Like I just look up and I'm like, oh my God. I feel like I'm going to look up and Harrison's going to be like going to prom or something. That's how quickly the year is going by. And I know that time flies. We have to cherish these moments with our kids because yeah, I mean, time is going by and our kids are growing and they're proof, right? So I think to myself that, you know, I still look like I'm 22. Although I'm almost 40, I still feel very young at heart. It's our kids that remind us that time is going by. So once you hit about 30 you feel like, okay, I still look good. I still got it. I can still do these things, except for you have a little bit more money because you are a little bit more established, right? But the kids, oh my God. So a friend of mine told me today, she has a a child that's now a couple of months old. She said, why did you not tell me that they were going to grow this fast? And I said, yep, you'll look up and she'll be a teenager. (laughs) She'll She'll be going through puberty. That's just, you know, the name of the game at, at this at this point in our lives. So just cherish every moment that you have. Well, a lot of y'all have been on these weight loss journeys during the pandemic and have gotten a little snatched. So as a result, I see plenty of questions flowing. So we're going to chat about this topic today. Now, when we talk about weight loss surgery, we're referring to bariatric surgery or surgeries that reduce the size or restrict the expansion of your stomach. Bariatric surgery is more common nowadays than you think. Over 250,000 people get weight loss surgery annually with over 80% being women. So this is why we need to chat about this. Really? Because people lose weight, they get snatched and all of a sudden, Those hormones are altered and people start to ovulate. Well, why is that, Dr. Plenty? Why do people all of a sudden lose weight and start ovulating? Well, that's because estrogen is made in adipose tissue, which is basically a fancy word to say fat cells. So there's a signal from estrogen made in those fat cells to the brain that tells the brain to cause a release of luteinizing hormone or what we call an LH hormone 
and follicle stimulating hormone, which we abbreviate as FSH. Now follow this little medicine lesson with me, okay? And if you're a healthcare worker, I know you're like, ah, I remember that from medical school. So the levels of LH or luteinizing hormone and FSH, which is the follicle stimulating hormone, gradually increase until there's a surge and that surge stimulates ovulation or a release of an egg every month if the egg isn't fertilized then you have a period your lining is shed and the egg is wasted with your menstrual period now if you have too much estrogen i.e too much fat and i'm not judging because i got i got, got little pillows on me too then those high estrogen levels clue the brain to say, hey, stop making all this LH and FSH. We have enough of it, right? And your body then naturally has a negative feedback net mechanism to sort of shut those hormones down. So that can prevent that surge, thus preventing ovulation. So when women lose weight, even as little as 10 pounds, your body can now has a reduced level of estrogen that can then cause you to have that LH surge and more regulation of your ovulation cycle. So that's why women can get pregnant pretty dang quickly after weight loss surgery if they're not being careful, meaning doing something to prevent pregnancy, meaning don't walk around saying, oh, well, I don't have, I haven't had a period in a really long time and I was told I can't get pregnant. You have weight loss surgery and lose a couple pounds. All of a sudden you ovulate and you'll slip up and not have a period because you are pregnant, okay? So that means... Do some type of birth control if you're not trying to get pregnant and you shouldn't, you should wait depending on how, what type of surgery, 12 to 24 months. Okay. You should wait a little while. So you should be protecting yourself using some type of family planning method or a condom or a barrier method or birth control pills. Okay. Now all that, all weight loss surgeries are not the same. So I said 12 to 24 months, that's a long range to wait. And that's because Different types of weight loss surgery affect your body and your hormones differently and the healing process is different. So let's talk about the most common types of weight loss surgery. Now, there is a lot of alterations to these types of weight loss surgeries, but these are pretty much the main ones that we think about when we think about weight loss surgery. So you have the gastric bypass surgery, which is also called a ruin Y gastric bypass, okay? That's the big gun, okay? This is a surgery that involves creating a small pouch from the stomach and it correct connects that small pouch directly to the small intestine. So you're making the food bypass most of the stomach, okay? This type of weight loss surgery usually requires you to wait a little longer to get pregnant. So typically we recommend waiting at least 18 months prior to trying to conceive. Now with this surgery, as well as any other surgery, you have to have your vitamin levels that need to be tested, especially vitamin B12, which is the same thing as, uh, which is ferritin, um, folate, excuse me, vitamin B12 and ferritin, folate, calcium, and your fat soluble vitamins all need to be checked and or replaced accordingly, depending on how low they are. Now you do have these vitamins in your normal prenatal vitamin, but with this type of weight loss surgery, you have more drastic decreases in it, especially given that your blood volume doubles in pregnancy. So it's almost like those vol- that that uh, those those uh, vitamins are now swimming in twice as much water, okay, as they would before, twice as much blood volume. So that's why those levels 
drop even more, okay? So you probably need more than what's in your normal prenatal vitamin. And those fat-soluble vitamins that I talked about are vitamins A, D, E, and K. Those are the fat-soluble vitamins that that are more likely to be depleted because now you're reducing the amount of fat that you have, okay? And because iron is absorbed in the intestine, usually like the jejunum duodenum, which is the very top of the intestine right after emptying through the stomach, that's why uh, you can also need iron supplementation, okay? And people are like, what does the stomach have to do with that? Well, there's a signal from the stomach, okay, that then goes, uh, that tells, that carries the iron to the intestines to be absorbed, okay? So if you're a medical professional, you listen listening, I know you're like, aha, remember that, okay? If you're not, you might be like, oh, that's TMI, but at least... You have an explanation as to why gastric bypass affects those vitamins as well as iron now, okay? Now, with this type of surgery, you also are more likely to have dumping syndrome, okay? So I was watching, back in the day, there used to be a show called A Thousand Ways to Die. And I know this is like, oh my God, that's so morbid. But it was all these like ways that people like, carelessly died like a guy put one of those lava lamps in the microwave to see it bubble and then exploded and a dagger went into his eye right so you have cases that are sort of like that well one guy was in prison and this is like way back in early 1900s and he basically starved himself so he was thin enough to fit through the bars so he decided he was only going to eat a couple bites a day, he lost all this weight and he was able to fit through the bars. So once he escaped, he then, what, went feasting. He ate a whole bunch of things. And you know what? He died from dumping syndrome, okay? And that's because his body all of a sudden had all this phosphate and all this ATP, all this these energy cells, okay? These vitamins that you need to make energy. And it caused dumping syndrome because you are dumping all of this. And basically it can cause your body to go into shock, basically have a cardiac arrhythmia and you pass away from that. So weight loss surgery causing extreme weight loss really quick, particularly a gastric bypass surgery can cause dumping syndrome. Okay. Which can be life threatening. And so we don't want you to have dumping syndrome. So that's also the reason we can't give you big loads. Okay. You uh, like uh, when you do your glucose challenge test, you shouldn't do it if you have gastric bypass surgeries um, or any of those surgeries that bypass or divert food. Okay. You shouldn't have those because of the risk of dumping syndrome. Okay. And, um, and instead, we have you do some other things to screen, but we don't want to give you dumping syndrome. You're less likely to have dumping syndrome if you're more than a year out of your surgery. Okay, so for this type of surgeries, we ask you wait at least 18 months. And so those are the people that need to wait 18 to 24 months. That's that. That's the long period. Okay, to avoid that risk of dumping syndrome. Now, there's also a duodenal switch. Now, this is a type of a bilopancreatic diversion or abbreviated BPD. And if you've had this surgery, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't heard had this surgery and you're thinking about surgery, you may have just heard it called the duodenal switch. Now, it's similar in that it also is a type of bypass surgery. However, it keeps a muscle um, called the pylorus, which controls emptying of your stomach, it keeps that portion of the stomach intact. So dumping syndrome is less common. We still got to check all the vitamins. We still got to make sure we supplement you. We still have to check your electrolytes, but you're less likely to have dumping syndrome with the duodenal switch. Okay, so it's a newer type of gastric bypass surgery. 
Then you have the gastric banding and sleeve. So gastric band is a little bit older. Um, it is just that it's a band, okay? It's an adjustable band that's at the top of the stomach that allows you to feel fuller longer. Your whole stomach is still there, okay? It's just that the top is squeezed, okay? And it's adjustable. There's like a, a, a sensor, basically, if you will, under the skin. So you can adjust the band if you need to. With a gastric band, we worry about slippage of the band, okay? Like, oh, now the band's there. Now the band has slipped further down or further up, which can cause you to have issues with a lot of vomiting if it slips further up and it's sort of, you know, strangulating or at the very top of the opening of the uh, the stomach. So where the esophagus or the pipe that the food goes down goes into the stomach, if it slips there, then you can have some issues there and people can have more nausea and vomiting with that. But it is adjustable and it is a type of... Um, uh, of uh, by, uh, not bypass, but a, a restrictive surgery that avoids uh, a major surgery like a gastric bypass. Okay, you still need. We're still going to check your electrolytes. Okay, and when I say check your electrolytes and check your vitamins, we're going to check those every trimester. So you should have those checked in the first, second, and third trimester. If we ever have to make adjustments to any of those things, then we're going to check that, recheck that two to four weeks afterwards, and that. That duration between those checks really depends on your high risk specialist and your um, your gastroenterologist or your GI doctor. But you do need those checked at least once a trimester with all of these. Okay, more frequently with the bypass, and you're more likely to need replacement with the bypass surgeries. Okay, and then you have the gastric sleeve. Now, the sleeve is uh, you know it's less invasive than your bypass but more invasive than your band because it actually removes a portion of the stomach so it just makes the stomach sort of skinnier okay so you have the esophagus which is the tube that carries food from the mouth down to the stomach you'll have basically the back side of the stomach cut off and then the stomach staple sort of skinnier but you still have that duodenum which is the beginning of your uh, small intestine, the jejunum, which is the next part of your small intestine, followed by the rest of the small intestine. So you have all the portions of your GI tract. The stomach is just skinnier, okay? So you're not doing any bypassing here. So obviously, if your stomach is skinnier, then you're going to feel fuller faster, okay? Now, over time, your stomach, it can stretch back, okay? So... Over time, you can have, you know, uh, stretching back of your stomach. And some people's stomach even look normal size a couple years after this sleep. But it does allow you to adjust your eating habits because now you can feel fuller faster. And that's how you lose weight. But if you overeat, obviously, that can cause a lot of nausea and vomiting. And you can stretch your stomach back out. So these are the most common types of weight loss surgery. And with these... There are a few things we need to watch out for in the pregnancy. So, of course, nutritional deficits are the most common. We just talked about that. We need to check your levels of your electrolytes, your vitamins, especially your fat-soluble vitamins, which are A, D, E, and K. Um, those need to be checked out. Um, and as you know, vitamin K, we need your clotting factors depend on vitamin K. Okay. You know, if you have low vitamin K, you're at risk for bleeding. So this is really important to check these these fat soluble vitamins. We can't treat you as if you're like a normal low risk pregnancy and not check them. Okay, and it doesn't mean anything bad is going to happen. It just means we need to check it and monitor you to make sure nothing bad happened. 
those levels will need to be checked. And like I said, at least once a trimester. And if we have to adjust any of those, uh, your dosage of medicines or you need correction, then we're going to recheck it two to four weeks after that. The baby can be small. So if you're nutritionally uh, devastated, you're not uh, getting the calories you need to get in, then obviously that can also cause some issues with the growth of the baby because of poor nutrition. If you have a lack of folic acid, okay, lack of folate, then that can also cause, and the reason you would lack folate, like I said before, you, you're not absorbing it, okay? You cut off the stomach, you, you're missing some of the intestine, you are not absorbing some of these vitamins, okay? So spina bifida, or what's called an open neural tube defect, which is just a defect in the spine where you are literally missing vertebra, and that spinal cord is then exposed to the amniotic fluid. So you're missing the skin that covers that and the and the vertebra. So the spine bulges through that and that can cause some damage to the spinal cord, okay? And so babies with spinal bifida can have issues with their bowel, their bladder. They can have issues with walking, okay? And uh, muscle development. To prevent that, we give people that have a history of uh, gastric bypass a ton of folate, okay? A ton. So people that are diabetics also have an increased risk of having a baby with open or tube defects. So we give you two milligrams. If you have seizure disorder, we give you four milligrams. You know, according to our college, we we tell you to take what's in your supplement, which is usually about 800 micrograms. And then we add uh, one to two milligrams of that. You can't have too much folate. You just poo it out. So so there's no such thing as too much of it, but you definitely need to supplement before your pregnancy. Get those folic acid levels checked before you get pregnant because those first 12 weeks are crucial for the development of the spine. And that's a most common defect with someone who has had gastric bypass or one of the weight loss uh, surgeries. Okay. Of course, you can have nausea, vomiting, especially if you have only had weight loss surgery, you know, less than a year before getting pregnant because your body is still getting adjusted to your new stomach, okay? And so if you are eating too much, you can vomit. Those hormones slow down the movement of food through the GI tract. And so you have a double whammy. You're feeling fuller and that food isn't moving as fast. So you're more likely to have vomiting or even hyperemesis. What's the difference between hyperemesis and just normal nausea and vomiting? Well, hyperemesis causes you to lose at least 5% of your pre-pregnancy weights, okay? In addition to intractable nausea and vomiting. Nausea and vomiting, you're vomiting occasionally. You can keep some food down. You might lose a couple pounds, but it's not 5% of your pre-pregnancy weight loss. Hyperemesis can also be associated with electrolyte imbalances as well, meaning your potassium is off or your calcium is off, and those things need to be replaced. But it's not a requirement. So you can't have hyperemesis and lose 5% of your pre-pregnancy weight loss and not have electrolyte imbalances. It's just more common to have electrolyte imbalances with hyperemesis, okay, than just um, nausea and vomiting associated with pregnancy hormones. Of course, you can have anemia. Um, Anemia is common in pregnancy anyway. So anemia of pregnancy is a real thing. Before pregnancy, your normal hemoglobin hematocrit is 14 to 15 hemoglobin with a hematocrit of like 45. So when you say H and H, that's what we mean. 15 and 45 is normal. In pregnancy, normal is 11 and 33. 
So you can see the difference in terms of anemia levels between pregnant and non-pregnant. Then you add having poor absorption of iron because you've literally had a portion that absorbs iron from your intestines uh, removed, then you can definitely have profound anemia. And some people even need iron infusions or may need um, uh, blood transfusions as well. So we need to keep an eye on your iron levels and then supplement you accordingly. And then of course, with iron supplementation comes constipation. That's a real thing. So you got to drink a ton of water. Should be drinking 80 to 100 ounces of water a day in pregnancy. And we mean it in patients that have gastric bypass because we know we're going to be adding so much iron to make sure that you are not too anemic because that can affect um, the growth and the size of your baby. Okay. And then people with gastric bypass, especially the people, like I say, that get pregnant in less than a year do have an increased risk with a preterm deliveries. Okay. For various reasons that preterm delivery could be because you are nutritionally devastated and you know, you are having electrolyte imbalances. So we have to deliver you for your benefit. It could be because the baby is small and has evidence of poor blood supply. Um, it could be because you have a baby with a birth defect because of nutritional imbalance that puts you at risk for having babies with birth defects. It could be a number of reasons, but we know the data says, Hey, moms that have a history of weight loss surgery do have an increased risk of preterm births. So we monitor you closer, okay? We do growth scans on you every four weeks after the 20th week to make sure that the baby's growth is okay. And we also counsel you about symptoms of preterm labor, which of course are, you got contractions every 10 minutes for an hour, go to the hospital. If your water breaks, go to the hospital. If you start having vaginal spotting, go to the hospital. So we monitor you a lot closer with the history of weight loss surgery in pregnancy. Now, I've told you all of this, and I know I'm certain to get a direct message that says, oh my God, Dr. Plenty, you've scared me, and now I know I want to have kids because I had weight loss surgery. Okay, breathe for a second, okay? Knowledge is power. I just want you to be aware of everything that's going on with you and your body so that you can be prepared for pregnancy. So none of this stuff happens, okay? Breathe a little, rest assured, if you've had weight loss surgery and you wait the appropriate time and you make sure your electrolytes and your vitamin levels are normal, you can have a very normal and healthy pregnancy. I have tons of women that have very uneventful pregnancies with history of weight loss surgery. And that is my goal today, to make sure you have an uneventful pregnancy as well. So now that you know a little bit more about weight loss surgery and pregnancy, Let's go to our medical intern for some cases. Our first case is a 28-year-old who is 22 weeks pregnant with her first child. She had gastric bypass surgery two and a half years ago and lost 89 pounds. She previously had a history of diabetes. However, since she lost weight, her A1C has been between 5.1 and 5.5%. Her endocrinologist told her she only had to follow up with her primary care physician, for annual testing. Her OBGYN referred her for a diabetic screening and counseling, but she isn't sure that she actually needs it since she hasn't required any medication in two years. She requests to be screened prior to being treated as a diabetic. It seems like you have a history, you lost weight, and now all of a sudden your A1C, which is that number that tells us how well controlled your finger sticks are, your glucose levels are, 
over a three month period. Now those numbers are normal. Okay. Normal is anything under 5.7. Okay. Once you get to 5.7 to 5.9, that's a pre-diabetic range. Okay. If you're above a 6%, that tells us, okay, we need to do something now to reduce your risk. Obviously, if you're above a 5.7, you're pre-diabetic, we're going to reduce your risk. But once you get to a 6, it's like, mm, let's do some screening. Do you really have diabetes? That's where we put you like, okay, maybe you're, you're pre-diabetic or you have diabetes. If your hemoglobin A1C is 7, you have diabetes. Like there's all the colleges agree you have diabetes if your hemoglobin A1C is 7. So, um, so for you, congratulations on losing 89 pounds. That is amazing. Okay. That's amazing. You've lost 89 pounds. You've kept the weight off. You've had bypass surgery 2.5 years ago. That's a, that's amazing. You should commend yourself for that. Okay. And it's also very telling that you've consistently been doing the work because your A1C is completely normal. So big ups to you. That's amazing. Now the question is, is it once a diabetic, always a diabetic or did you really get rid of diabetes, right? And so the train of thought, according to the American Diabetes Association is once a diabetic, you're always a diabetic. Now, does that mean that you are gonna need medicines outside of pregnancy or during the pregnancy? No, I mean, you can pretty much have cured yourself in terms of now you're not as resistant, but we know that you are prone to being resistant because your body's already proven that. Can we screen you for diabetes? Mm, we can panel you for diabetes, but we're not going to do a diabetic screen on you. Okay. A diabetic screen and somebody with dumping syndrome, uh, I mean, uh, with bypass surgery, like I said before, put you at risk for dumping syndrome. Okay. So we don't want to put you at risk for dumping syndrome. So we're not going to give you a glucose challenge test. Now, what we could do is we could have you start paneling yourself. Now, I know people are like, why do I have to start paneling myself? Because we need to see how resistant you are now, okay? Pregnancy hormones cause you to be more resistant. That's why you can get gestational diabetes. People that aren't preg- aren't diabetics at all get pregnant and now their body is resistant and they have diabetes just in the pregnancy. That's how powerful pregnancy hormones are that you don't even have to be diabetic before pregnancy. You can get diabetes in pregnancy and then the placenta is delivered and guess what? You're no longer diabetic. We don't check your fingertips. We don't do anything. If you weren't diabetic before, we say up, we chalk it up to the hormones. Now we know that that does put you at risk for having type 2 diabetes later on in life with a 50% lifetime risk of diabetes with most people getting diabetes type 2 within three years of pregnancy. That's if you had gestational diabetes and not pre-existing. We've already, you've already proven that you have resistance Now we're adding the whammy of pregnancy hormones. So what I would ordinarily recommend is if you're somebody that's like, you know what, I really don't want to check my finger six. I'd recommend instead of doing an actual diabetic screen, we panel you for a week now. You're 22 weeks. You probably have a glucometer at home. Check your finger six fasting and two hours after breakfast, lunch, and dinner now to see how controlled you are, okay? If you're controlled at this point, okay, we can wait a little while to start assessing you again. But at the time, 28 weeks when we would normally start screening people for gestational diabetes because that's when insulin resistance goes up in pregnancy, I would recommend that you panel yourself for the rest of the pregnancy, okay? No testing, we're avoiding dumping syndrome, but because we know you're at risk for insulin resistance, I would treat you as if you're a diabetic 
and have you panel yourself. I would also make sure your 22 weeks, make sure you had a detailed scan during this consultation, meaning we look at your baby from head to toe because you had diabetes or you have it now, but you're well controlled. We still want to make sure that your baby is structurally completely normal. Okay. I would still do an echo on you because the most common defect that babies get with the history of diabetes is heart defects. So I would still do an echo to look at the heart function of the baby. Even if you are perfectly controlled and you've not used medicine for two years, I'm still going to err on the side of caution. Okay. All of this is about being cautious. Okay. It doesn't hurt to be cautious. We get slapped in the face when we assume things are normal and then all of a sudden they're not and we haven't planned. So it's best for us to take the precautions now and plan now. And then we can go through the pregnancy and be like, oh, that was nothing. But we won't know it's nothing unless we plan for it. So I would definitely do a detailed scan on you. Do a fetal echo on your baby. Make sure everything's normal there. And then if you're completely normal, mean you're not on meds and your finger sticks are perfect. Okay, I can wait a little while. But then once you're 28 weeks, I'm going to have you start paneling yourself pretty much every day. Sometimes I have people space their finger sticks out. So instead of checking your finger sticks, fasting and break after two hours after breakfast, lunch and dinner, I may say, okay, you've been controlled for a while. Let's just check fasting and then your worst values, which are usually dinner, fasting and then your dinner values. Okay. And that way, if those things are controlled because the fastings are more important, then, um, you know, then I would say, OK, that that's fine for to not check those other two uh, measurements. Now, the, towards the end of the pregnancy, I'll probably have you start checking them all again. Why? Because I don't gamble again. I don't gamble. OK, so I'm going to make sure that's perfect to allow you to go to your due date. OK. Um, Because if it's not perfect, then I know to tell your OBGYN to deliver you somewhere between 37 and 37, 37 to 39 weeks. And where I tell them to deliver you, meaning the timing, would depend on how well controlled you are. So I know I've said a lot, but the case pearl for this case is, just to recap, a previous history of diabetes puts you at risk for further insulin resistance in pregnancy. Diabetic paneling can be done for monitoring, but a glucose challenge test should not be done to avoid dumping syndrome. Okay, medical intern, what's our second case? Our second case is a 30-year-old who is 13 weeks pregnant with her third child. She recently had weight loss surgery with a gastric sleeve six months ago. She wasn't planning to get pregnant, but is excited about the new baby. She has severe nausea and vomiting now with inability to keep food down. She has lost an additional 20 pounds since finding out that she was pregnant six weeks ago. Her OBGYN recommended that she be admitted, but the patient refuses, stating that she has to work. She was referred for outpatient assistance with nausea and vomiting and counseling about the risk of gastric sleeve to the pregnancy. Gastric sleeve, like I said before, is where your stomach, uh, almost like the the distal or the flappy part of the stomach is removed. So it makes the stomach skinnier. Okay. So, but it's not a bypass um, surgery. Okay. It's actually a, it's actually a sleeve. So you're not bypassing anything. You're just making the, the stomach smaller. Okay. Um, so you have less of a risk of things like dumping syndrome and things like that. But the reason you're having so much nausea and vomiting is a combination of just normal nausea and vomiting that anybody has during the pregnancy. In addition to 
nausea and vomiting associated with your recent weight loss because the progesterone or the pregnancy hormone slows motility through the stomach and intestines even further down. Okay, so that's why you're more prone to have nausea and vomiting. And so I know that you're excited about the new baby. We're excited for you. But usually we want you to wait at least a year after gastric sleeve. Now, listen, the pregnancy is here now. We have to deal with it and we're gonna deal with it. So what I would tell you to do is, listen, honey, you need to be admitted, okay? I can't tell you what your electrolytes are and replace your electrolytes outpatient and recheck them to make sure they're replaced properly unless you're inpatient, okay? I know a lot of people, when I tell them, whether that's people that have uncontrolled diabetes or high blood pressure or something else going on, when I recommend that they be admitted, they always say, well, you know, I have my kids to take care of or I have to work. I completely understand the social aspects of everything that people are dealing with. But at the end of the day, you got to be good for yourself. You got to take care of your body first. Okay. We don't want anything to happen to you. And this is now the time for you to prioritize yourself. And by prioritizing yourself, you're also prioritizing your pregnancy and your baby. Okay. So talk to your boss. If we need to write something for you, if we need to make some calls for you, we will do that. It doesn't mean that you have to be in the hospital for a long period of time perhaps just a couple of days, but it's worth getting you okay and getting you to the point where you're not feeling lousy. You're not having an electrolyte imbalance. It's meaning your calcium is out of whack and your potassium is out of whack and you're not dehydrated from vomiting. You're not feeling dizzy and tired. Getting you tanked up, replacing your electrolytes, making sure you feel good enough to eat something and then discharging you home. That way you can be close to 100% and able to function at work instead of just going through the motions. Because I know if you haven't all that vomiting, you can't possibly be functioning right at work. You're slacking. You're slacking at work. So take the time, get yourself up to 100% so that you can be fully functional. And that may take a couple of days. So I would not recommend outpatient assistance with this nausea and vomiting. If you were somebody that didn't have gastric bypass surgery or excuse me a gastric sleeve surgery and you had lost a couple pounds I would say okay if you could keep food down some food down I would say okay let's try to give you Finnegan or let's try to give you Zofran let's try to give you Reglan to see if we can help with motility through the GI tract but you've lost 20 pounds in seven weeks now some people Do lose weight in the first trimester because you have a decreased appetite. Even if you're not vomiting, your appetite is decreased because the stuff that you eat literally stays in your stomach longer. Okay, so you're going to feel fuller longer. I get that. Second trimester, you should catch up with your weight. The end of second trimester, you gain, start gaining weight. And the majority of your weight is gained in the third trimester. That's everybody. But when we say, oh, people usually lose weight in the first trimester, we mean like five pounds, 20 pounds. It doesn't matter how big you are, 20 pounds in seven weeks is a lot of weight, okay? And you probably are severely dehydrated if you can't keep any food down, okay? You feel like crap. Listen, take the time, talk to family. If you know you need childcare, talk to family, talk to your honeydew, and take the time that you need to be admitted in the hospital because we need to make sure we're checking all your labs, 
We need to make sure that we don't need to get a GI doctor on board to give you some other type of nutrition like, you know, uh, TPN or IV nutrition or uh, a tube to to make sure you stay uh, nutritionally um, repleted. So we need to make sure we take care of yourselves. Okay, make sure to take care of yourselves. Don't don't refuse admission, okay? especially with gastric bypass and can't keep anything down. I mean, that, I mean, just even think about that, right? I have patients all the time that say, I can't be admitted, but they can't walk from the clinic to the car without vomiting on the side, you know? Come on, go ahead and go to the hospital so that you can function and actually go to work in person if you need to go to work. So the case pearl is hyperemesis with recent gastric bypass surgery should always prompt an inpatient admission. Electrolyte imbalances can lead to cardiac arrhythmias, Meaning your heart can skip a beat that can cause you to have fatal arrhythmia. Okay. Pass out. This can be life threatening. Let's take care of ourselves and take this thing seriously. This is not just a little nausea and vomiting. This is a serious matter here. So medical intern, what's our email case? Our email case says, hi, Dr. Plenty. I had gastric sleeve surgery six months ago and lost 50 pounds. I'm engaged and my wedding date is in three months. My fiance and I would like to get pregnant right away because we are both 38 years old. Is it safe for us to try to conceive on our honeymoon or should I wait a little longer to get pregnant? Now, I think that this listener knew the answer to this question before writing in, right? Somebody probably had already told her a year, but she's sitting there thinking, okay, well, I had surgery six months ago. My wedding is not in three months. So that's really nine months. So that's almost a year. So if we start trying to get pregnant. It might take us a couple months and then we'll be at a year, right? So I know that's what you're thinking. So you want me to tell you, go ahead and try because it may take you a couple months. But in this situation, I'm going to tell you, nah, girl, listen, you have a good time on your honeymoon, but you make sure to slap on some birth control pills, okay? Because we do not want you getting pregnant. I know everybody always thinks, oh my goodness, my biological clock is ticking. I'm 38. You know, I may not be able to get pregnant. Listen, waiting three more months after that is really not going to decrease your fertility any further. Okay. And yes, it may take you a couple of cycles to get pregnant, but it's still going to be worth it. We don't want you having any issues with weight loss because you're still losing weight. Six months, your wedding days in three more months. I hope you don't get your alterations until a couple of weeks before the wedding because you will lose more weight with a gastric sleeve six months ago, okay? You don't really become stagnant in weight loss until you're about a year out. So you will lose more weight. And so I would encourage you to wait wait at least a full year. Really, really 12 months to 18 months is the safest place to be, okay, after weight loss surgery. So I would encourage you, wait the full 12 to 18 months. Okay, if you can't wait 18 months, you know, at least wait the year. And again, in that way, go ahead and start supplementing. I, I like people to start supplementing with these vitamins, especially folic acid, which poses the biggest threat at least three months before. You know, just start taking extra folic acid. Go ahead and start taking extra milligram of folic acid a day in addition to your prenatal vitamin three months before you get pregnant so that you know that your levels are going to be normal. So just in case you slip up and get pregnant, you're already straight. So your wedding's in three months, go ahead and start in three months just in case you slip up on your honeymoon. But I would still encourage you to wait 
at least a year, preferably 18 months before you try to conceive. And the good thing is you, you seem to be planning, right? You've lost weight. You've done what you have to do, which is, which is great. People ask all the time, what's the bigger risk, being obese or the weight loss surgery? Being obese carries a bigger risk, right? Bigger risk of, of diabetes, bigger risk of preeclampsia, bigger risk of hypertensive or high blood pressure issues in the pregnancy, bigger risk with a C-section, bigger risk of, of premature. Obesity definitely has a higher risk, okay? So I'm proud that you've taken the steps to get weight loss surgery because losing that weight does decrease your risk. Now, the biggest thing is making sure that you're straight, and your electrolytes and vitamins are straight, which means giving your body some time to adjust to the new you after weight loss surgery. Okay, so 12 to 18 months. All right, medical intern, do we have any more email questions? And she's shaking her head, no. So thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast. I hope that you've learned more about pregnancy and weight loss surgery from this episode. If you like the show, the ultimate compliment is to rate the show and share with your friends. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at Pregnancy underscore Pearls and Facebook at Pregnancy Pearls and make sure to catch up on the YouTube channel which is youtube.com forward slash Pregnancy Pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening and have an amazing week. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.